Welcome to your weekly dose of comedy with your host, Dana Pereira. Where's our participation trophy? What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Where's Our Participation Trophy. I'm Dana Pereira. And, uh, you know, this week I figured if people can do Christmas in July, then we can do Halloween in July. And helping me out with that today is Jeff Belanger. Hey, Dana. Thanks for having me. And happy uh, Halloween. Why not? <laughs> why not? You know, yeah, why not? People just put their their holidays wherever they want them. We can do it, too. Uh, you know, it's kind of always Halloween around here. So I can saying. see that. That yeah. is pretty cool. So why don't you give our listeners a little rundown of your expertise? So I'm an author. I write books about haunted places and the paranormal. I, I work for the show Ghost Adventures. I've been doing that since episode one. 13 years ago. My wow. goodness gracious. Um, so that's a part of my job. I get to talk and share uh, great stories. I'm a podcaster. Uh, I host a podcast called New England Legends, where we cover weird stories of monsters and ghosts and the strange and unusual from New England each and every week. And so I'm just very fortunate that I get to have a full-time job looking for ghosts and monsters and things that bump in the night. I got to tell you, I am super jealous. Like, <laughs> How, because I've always been fascinated by stuff like this, right? I mean, I think a lot of people are super fascinated about it, but nobody ever told me that I could make a career out of it. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me verify that. Uh, I've got like six full-time jobs. So um, yeah, no, it's crazy. And it's not a job that I ever planned for. I mean, so when I was growing up, I, growing up in New England, I think you're just sort of steeped in it. You know, we've got old houses and, you know, a friend down the street lived in this house that's literally older than America, right? Like when the house was built, we were England. Yeah. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, this old man walks down the hall and disappears. Don't tell your parents. They'll think we're crazy. This was back when ghosts were still in the closet. Yeah. They're not anymore. They're they're very much out and uh, letting their freak flags fly yeah. now. <laughs> Ghost pride is all over. Thanks to so many successful television shows. Yeah. And so. Uh, so, yeah. So this was like a whole other time. I grew up in the town next to Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you've seen the Conjuring movies like that's oh. the people portrayed in all those movies. And so I've just sort of been steeped in it. I went to school to be a writer and I was a newspaper writer. I was writing Halloween features and I loved it. And then oh. I started a website back in 1999 and then that exploded. And then I, I wrote my first book and then suddenly I realized like, wow, this is my job. And then ghost adventures and uh, more books and everything else. And it's just, it's one of those things that, I mean, I have a passion for stories yeah. and this subject just sucks me in. Man. So your first time encountering an actual ghost, how old were you? Where were you? Did it scare the shit out of you? <laughs> uh, I was, the funny thing was I was 24, maybe okay. 25 years old. So as a kid, I didn't disbelieve. My friends told me they saw ghosts. I, I took their word for it, but I didn't have this haunted childhood. Yeah. Um, I was already writing about ghosts. I, I had worked on a documentary film in the mid nineties. I was writing newspaper features. And as a reporter, I was always like, well, I believe that you believe. I mean, if yeah. I thought you were lying to me, I, I just wouldn't even do the story. But then I was in Paris, France, and I was in the catacombs alone, <laughs> which is like <laughs> 30 meters below the city. And you know, Paris is bustling. And then down below, it's just this limestone. And all you hear is like the drip of water coming through, you know, all that rock and the crunch of gravel under your feet. And I'm winding my way and I'm, I'm a little bit on the tall side. So I got to duck in spots. And then there's this doorway that says in French, stop, this is the empire of the dead. And I walked through and there's like literally millions of human skeletons all around me in this like macabre pattern, like stacks of bones and skulls. And I'm just like, Oh my God. I mean, I, I knew it was down there, but when you finally see it, it's just overwhelming. Oh, and I'm like alone. A, that's like some Indiana Jones type shit. Yeah. A little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> no one would go with me. So it was just me. And, uh, and I'm walking down this long tunnel where literally, I mean, if I put my fingertips out, both fingertips would be touching skulls on both sides. That's how close. Yeah. And I see this man, the, the shadow, the size of a man, he just steps out and he goes from one side and then he steps back to the other and I froze and I went, okay, well, wait a minute. 
I'm, I'm alone. Oh, maybe there's like a little side tunnel because, and I missed it and someone's down here. And so I keep walking and there's no side tunnel. It's just this long straightaway. And then I went, Oh, man, if that's not a ghost, I I don't have another word for it. You know, like, I mean, yeah. I, I thought about, I'd interviewed hundreds of people at that point about their ghost experiences. And now I was like, I, I'm not psychic. I'm not sensitive. Uh, you can ask my wife. I'm insensitive. So uh, <laughs> I'm there and suddenly like there's something there. And, and it took days, weeks, months to fully process. Wow. So do you think that maybe because you were doing um, these interviews and that you were writing about ghosts and stuff like that, do you think that it's possible that maybe you were pretty closed off and you kind of opened up a little bit and now they were like, oh, well, now we can present ourselves to you? I don't know. I just sort of think that sometimes lightning strikes and mm -hmm. some people are way more sensitive to it than others. Some people hear things, feel things. Um, I just have a really high bar, you know, like yeah. I don't, I don't want to be fooled ever. And, and I mean, I've had strange feelings. I've had that in tons of places, but I can't mm -hmm. promise you that's not paranormal and me just freaking out inside, you know, <laughs> cause I'm yeah. like, in an abandoned prison where horrible people were kept in cages and it's dark and night and a bat just flew by my face. And, you know, like yeah. it could, maybe it's that, you know? Um, but yeah, no, at that moment it, it was just, it was sort of life-changing that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I did believe before, but that was just sort of affirming it. And yeah. I've had other experiences, not a lot in, in doing this over 20 years now, but when it happens, when you, when you run out of every excuse you can run out of, like, well, it's the light, it's this, it's the wind, it's, you know, and when you're left with only one word, ghost, now what, right? Yeah. So I imagine, like, you've come across thousands and thousands of stories, right? Oh, yeah. What, is there one in particular that just stands out for you or... I mean, you could probably just cherry pick from, you know, your yeah. favorite ones, but, but tell us a, tell us a little ghost story if you can. Well, there's so many, I think, uh, you know, I've gotten the chance to talk to some people involved with some of the biggest cases ever, you know, so George Lutz who owned the Amityville house, like oh. all the Amityville books, movies you've ever seen were based on his experiences. And this was the last interview he ever gave because he got into a, a lawsuit gag order and then he died. Oh, and so we spoke for hours about the Amityville house. And I, I went to college on Long Island and I, I remember driving by the house, you know, just you, you just get the shivers to remind people six people were murdered in that house. That's not a story, right? It happened. And the murderer uh, was the their brother slash son who went in in the middle of the night, shot his parents and shot his uh, two brothers and two sisters all dead in their beds. Oh, in fact, he just died in prison recently, like in the last few months. And so George Lutz and I talked for hours. I'm like, well, you know, in the movie, there's blood spilling out of the walls. There's all this crazy stuff. And what he described in many ways, I think was more frightening because a real haunting is subtle. You know, I mean, he thought in the beginning, it was just targeting him. Like he said, he's in bed at night and he hears like a marching band downstairs, like tuning up, just kind of like playing their instruments. And while that sounds sort of silly, he wakes up and he's like, what is, is there a radio on? What's going on? And he goes downstairs and he has a black lab who's sound asleep. And so he's thinking, uh oh, right. Like the bigger problem is, is this in my head? Like, am right. I here? Right. Because if the dog, if the, some, if there was a marching band, dog would be up and freaking out right now. But the yeah. dog is asleep. So, oh, dear, this is inside here and I'm not going to tell anybody. And then suddenly all the family members are having these strange experiences and, and it's little subtle things that just chip away at your sanity uh, to then when it starts to manifest a little bigger, you know, he's a, he's a parent and suddenly kids are locked in their room and they're screaming for help and they can't get the door open. Um, they talked about beds levitating about, you know, being attacked and it just gets worse and worse in these little subtle increments, but then it stops. And that's what makes it so different from a horror movie, right? When we watch a horror movie and they walk into the house and it's just, you know, 90 minutes of like, right? The house is crunching and trying to eat them in blood. Every one of us at one point has to say in our heads, like, I just leave. I'm out, right? Like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Screw this. Right? You yeah. can look at my ass, go out the front door. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's going to be 40 seconds long, right? Like, whoa, <laughs> bye. <laughs> gonna go stay at the Howard Johnson here you know and uh, yeah. it's gonna be fine and, and so um so the, 
the reality is it stops. It stops for hours. It stops for days. And you think maybe it was in my head and then it starts again. And uh, at one point, you know, he starts reaching out to priests because he doesn't know where else to go. And then uh, the priest suggests, hey, can you go somewhere and just get a good night's sleep? And so he went to his in-laws house and the whole family. And they said it followed them. Whatever that thing was, it followed them uh, and, and was messing with them there. And, and they're just you're petrified now because like anyone who's ever been burglarized can understand sort of the feeling, the violating feeling that someone's been in your space. Except if there's a burglar in your house, you can call the police. Yeah. And there's a ghost, right? <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah, they weren't around then. Yeah. And then, and not, not only that, right? Like, but it's it's something dark and dangerous. It's not just something passive walking through. It's mm -hmm. they're they're being attacked. And so, to me, that's just the idea of your home, the place where you're supposed to feel safe, uh, being you know plagued by something dark like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But then also too, you know, I'm I'm a guy that's way into this stuff. And if you said here, you can have the Amityville house for free. You can go live there. I'd be like, six people were murdered there, bestie. Like, no thanks, yeah. right? I'm cool. I'll thanks. visit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not living there. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting that these kind of entities um, attach themselves to people, right? And so like you were describing, it, it didn't just stay in the house and he went and got a good night's sleep. It actually followed him. Was there like a way that he got rid of this that you know of? He said uh, it had like a half-life. So every day out of the house was half as bad as the day before. Oh. And so ultimately, after being in that house for four weeks, uh, he decided, you know, we're just moving to San Diego. And the, the family just up and left, took the dog, yeah. and, um, and they moved to San Diego and left the house behind. And uh, it, every day was a little bit better, and then it just sort of went away. So whatever it was seemed to be centered on the house and had to sort of get back to the house. And, and so the crazy thing is that, you know, someone moved into that house after the Lutz family and they lived there for years and said they never had a problem. So I think some of us just know how to just tune it out. And of course we do, right? Like we, we have coworkers and friends that we tune out all the time. Totally. You know, they were just like, oh, yeah. there they go again. And you just, or that, that racist uncle we have, you know, uh -huh. that we're just like, there they go. And you just, you know, you can't change him. He's old. And so you just tune him out. And, yeah. um, it, it kind of goes on to that, uh, like, uh, that openness thing again too, right? Sure. Like there's, there's some people that are just super open and sensitive to things like that. And then there are some people that are just very closed off. And so they can't be bothered by something that they can't, uh, let in, I guess. Dana, have you had a ghost experience? I have. Oh, tell me. I, I feel like I have several and uh, people think I'm insane, but it's okay. But my most memorable one was whenever I was um, probably 12 or so and I was in the shower and at the time the shower door um, just pushed inward. So like I would have to open it like this to get out of the shower mm -hmm. so somebody could push on it. And my dog, we had these two little white Maltese's and my dog uh, ran in and I saw her run in and she jumped up on the door and pushed it open. And then she went around the corner and I was like, that was weird. It was early. I was getting ready for school. And I was like, that was weird. And so I get out and I go past where my dogs were sleeping and both of them were locked in their cages. And Ooh. so something opened that door that day. Um, but it was not my dog. <laughs> well, and that's, that's your house. That's where you live. Yeah. And, and my mother has also seen a little girl upstairs. Um, uh, I have had some prickly feelings in my mother's house upstairs. And I think my brother was the one that had said to her, like that he saw this girl too. So I do think that we have, and, and I am open to, uh, ghost spirits, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. I, I am a believer in stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. I never saw her with my own eyes. I think I maybe felt her more, but I also think that I am the kind of person that, um, if a ghost was presented to me, if they showed themselves, I would be terrified. Like, I don't think that I'm the kind of person that would be like, oh, cool. Hey, Casper, like, let's go, you know, <laughs> right. take a walk together. Tell me, you know, like, I, I think that I would be terrified 
Um, so I, I don't know, I'm maybe a little open, but not so open that I'm ready for, for a ghost to like, come hold my hand. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would agree with you. And that's why I love going to, you know, rep, you know, places reported to be haunted, right? Yeah. So you, you go there and the hope is I want to have an experience here and then leave it and go to my nice, safe, not haunted house. Yeah. Right. right? Like that's where I want to live is this not haunted, peaceful place. But if I can have that experience, because it's, it's big, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you see what you perceive to be a ghost or a spirit, that super huge question, is there life after death gets answered for you. And yeah. what I love about ghosts and haunts and legends like these is that we get to have these huge discussions without religious dogmas getting in the way. Uh-huh. So if I said, Hey, let's talk about my religion. You would squirm. You'd be like, Oh, please. No, please. No, 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 <laughs> no. Make me anything else. Right. And so, but what we're really talking about, right. Is some sort of idea, a concept of life after death. Like, do we survive this? And, and I get that our egos are so fragile. We want to live forever. We want, you know, we want to know that we still have influence even after we're gone. And of yeah. course we do, by the way, like, you know, I mean, I still think about lessons my grandparents taught me and they've uh-huh. been dead for years and right. Um, you know, their parents taught them stuff and so on. And all that got passed down. And so there's, there's sort of like this, this connection that just goes from like, you know, our belly button to moms and back and back and back. And, and I, and I love that. And I love the, that these stories belong to communities, you know, and, but I also think there's something behind them. You know, you can't just say like that building's haunted. Well, you can say it, but it doesn't make it so what makes it so is when people like whisper about a place, like, Uh yeah, you see those three old houses, the one on the right is haunted. My yeah. friend used to live there. I used to babysit there. Uh, I've been inside. It's a doctor's office now. And it's it, this weird stuff happens. You just feel it, right? And people talk about certain buildings and don't talk about others. And so there's kind of something to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually was going to ask you, going back to um, the whole uh, life after death thing. So do you think, do you ever give opinions on like reincarnation and stuff like that? Like, do you think like stuff like that is, is possible? And, and also with ghosts that are here on earth, uh, I've heard the term earthbound spirits and those are our ghosts. And then there's spirits that aren't earthbound and they cross over to something else. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So we, I mean, you're getting into like geeky ghost theory and all we, it's all theory, by the way, no one really knows. No way uh, to know. Unless they're trying to sell you a psychic reading, and then yeah, they're yeah. to know, which is awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, so, I, I've never found a place that's haunted a hundred percent of the time. Uh-huh. So I don't buy into the whole earthbound spirit because if I found a place haunted all the time, number one, I would buy it and I would charge you an exorbitant amount of money to come in and see my ghost, and I would never let anyone clear it and move them on to the other side because that cash cow would just—I would milk it for generations. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but and I've been into some freaky places. I mean, old asylums that are abandoned, and prisons, and hospitals all over the world, and castles, uh-huh. and battlefields. You know, and um, and I've had weird experiences. And I've and the catacombs. The first story I told, I went back a few years later. I went back to that same spot, and I was like. I'm, I'm back. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, here. Remember me and nothing, right. Yeah. Nothing happened. So I was there, I think when lightning struck basically, like when, yeah. when some event happened. So the idea of reincarnation on the, on like philosophically, I totally get it. Right. I mean, you have been inspired by people that have been dead since before you were born. Right. Like whether it's a, an artist, a painter, a writer, a poet, a musician, uh, a philosopher, a, a religious per- figure, like whoever inspired or, or some of those figures inspired people who inspired you and so on and so on. And so, you know, in some regards, Shakespeare's still here. Right. Jimi Hendrix is still here. Right. Like they're, they're still around. Um, so I sort of get that the idea that I have lived a human life before. I, I have a hard time swallowing that one. Uh-huh. Uh, just because I'm like, I don't know, why do I keep screwing stuff up? Yeah. <laughs> like, why didn't what? I learn? <laughs> like, why did I like, like burn my hand on the stove? Like, we only have to do that a couple times in life, but yeah. don't we all do that? Right. Yeah. Like, you'd think I'd be like, oh, wait, as a little tiny kid, you'd be like, I'm going to make all kinds of mistakes, but not that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one hurts. So I watched your TED talk yesterday yeah. and I, I really loved the idea of history through ghost stories. 
Like that really intrigued me because I would have definitely paid a lot more attention in history class if they were telling me some of those stories that coincided with certain sightings or whatever that had happened. And uh, you talked about the White House and I thought that was so cool. Yeah. So the White House, that's one of my favorite haunts. I, I got to go there years ago because uh, I wrote a children's book about the ghost of the White House. And that was such a fun phone call. Like I called the White House switchboard. <laughs> where do you start? Right. And um, and I said, hey, I want to I'm a writer. I want to come there and do a book about the ghost of the White House and interview some of the staff. And whoever answered that main number was just like, hmm, hold, please. And I'm like, OK, like, here we you got to start somewhere. <laughs> and like two seconds later, I'm talking to the boss. The oh. boss, the, the boss is the chief usher, by the way, not the president, not the, the president. chief usher. Uh, there's like a hundred employees of the White House, the butlers, cleaning crew, groundskeepers, cooks. These people work for the White House. They've been some. I met uh, one third generation White House butler. His dad was a butler at the White House. His dad's dad was a butler at the White House. Like these folks have stories. Whoa. And the reason they still work there is they don't share them. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, so I talked to him. I said, hey, I want to do a book about the ghost of the White House. He said, yeah, we're not interested. I said, no, no, it's a children's book. And it's a kind of innovative way to teach history to kids, because how do you know who a ghost is unless you ask who the person was? And he said, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after a background check that wasn't that thorough yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and some help from my congressman, I got to go down there and I got to interview the chief usher and, and meet some of the staff and go through the building and uh, it was amazing. Like th there's a power to that building, right? It's the freaking white house. Yeah, for sure. You know, like that's a whole other thing. And, and you stand in the North portico and you go, Whoa, every president stood where I'm standing. Like I know Washington died before it was complete, but he laid the cornerstone. He was there, yeah. you know, yeah. all of them, Lincoln, Kennedy, they were all right there. And you just go, you just feel this, this, there's a gravitas, right? There's this power to the building. There's a spirit of place. Uh, similar to the way like religiously inclined people may feel when they go to a synagogue or a mosque right. or a church where they're just mm -hmm. like, oh, this is this special place. Yeah, and, the Vatican know, or whatever. Yeah, right. I'm an American taxpayer. I own part of that house, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. seriously. <laughs> um, and so it's, but it's just, you, you sort of feel that that history is keeping a close eye on this building and um, and it should be haunted. And the, the Abraham Lincoln, his ghost comes up again and again and the thing about Lincoln is we know what this dude looks like, right? Yeah. He's not yeah. on money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. If you forget, pull out a fiver or a penny, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh yeah, that guy. And so um, I love this, the idea that, that presidents have sort of called upon his spirit, summon him, if you will, mm -hmm. because his presidency was the most difficult. There's not even a close second. There's not even a, any, anywhere near second, right? Yeah. His son dies while he's in the white house his nation's at war with itself the civil war the union is ripping apart and he of course paid the ultimate price he was assassinated yeah. for for his job and uh no president has ever had it harder ever or before or since and so uh so i love the idea that that modern day presidents who have an understanding of history and appreciation for it literally summon him. And I saw George H.W. Uh, Bush, the elder Bush, yeah. um, gave an interview once where he talked about he was early in his presidency. He had to send some troops into harm's way. And he, he said, I was struggling. I was up late. And I thought, well, wait a minute. What did Lincoln go through? Yeah. And I just sort of calmed down. And I'm like, you you summoned him, right? Like, you know, I'm not claiming the president saw the ghost, but I'm, but he right. understood. Like, and we want Lincoln to haunt that building, right? As an yeah. American. <laughs> Please, Abe, <laughs> can yeah. you please stick around? We well, need you. It's cool that um, that somebody is able to think back and think like, okay, there is a guy, he had my same job mm -hmm. and he made it through some of it, <laughs> yeah. but, but he had to like really draw that inspiration and that, that uh, fucking like gun thing, you know, like to, to get through what he was going through. We all do. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think I think the notion that our, our ancestors are still with us. Right. <laughs> and by ancestors, I mean, even like grandma, grandpa, like just yeah. even, you know, two generations ago, um, we, we need that comfort that we're, we're not in this alone, that we're drawing on the, the strength and energy of those who came before us because um, life is scary. 
<laughs> it, is. it is. It is. It's terrifying. It's absolutely. It, and then you become a parent and it gets twice as scary. Yep. You know, yep. and uh, and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's another human being that's counting on me to make these decisions. And, you know, I, I need, I it, it's bigger than me, right? The yeah. job and the task at hand is bigger than me. And I need to know that I got stuff behind me. And, um, and, and I think some people find that in their religious belief systems and that's great, you know, and some of us go into cemeteries at midnight with like <laughs> EMF meters and Ouija boards and go, please grandma, where'd yeah. you hide the gold? <laughs> That's so funny. I was definitely one of those kids that played in cemeteries whenever I was growing up. And still, even to this day, um, it, my husband knows if we're going someplace, like we were uh, in Georgia one time and I was like, no, take me to the cemetery. I want to go to the cemetery. I want to look at the headstones. I want to imagine their stories in my head. I want to, you know, like you see a headstone and somebody passed away when they were 13 years old. You think like, oh my gosh, what happened to them? Like what led to that? Was it a disease? Was there an accident? Was there, and even in my own ancestry, I look at death certs. I just, I find them fascinating to see how some people have passed. I have a great aunt that um, caught herself on fire cooking. And that killed her? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a very long time ago, something, it was like an oil fire and yeah. she caught herself on fire and that is what they put on her death certificates. My goodness. And you're related. Just saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you why, get around the stove, you're cook. like, okay, maybe, uh, maybe the microwave is my jam. Yes, right? the, like, the safest avenue for me yeah. is takeout. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just going to get the phone here and dial the number and stay yes, yes. Well, But that, that's the thing, right? This stuff can become cautionary tales. And that's the other subject, not just like spirituality and life after death, but the other elephant in the room is death, you know, yeah. and, and that's an uncomfortable topic for all of us to you sort of face your own mortality, knowing that we're worm food at one point mm-hmm. and you go to cemeteries and it's a little bit scary, even yeah. though like, who cares? It shouldn't be right. But it is right. Cause there's hundreds, maybe thousands of corpses below the ground, right. Where you're walking and, yeah. uh, and you have that sort of notion that like, Oh, this is where I'm heading to yeah. maybe not mm-hmm. this exact boneyard, but you know, metaphorically speaking, yeah, this is, this is, that's the road ahead. I don't know how far ahead. I hope it's way in the distance, <laughs> yeah. but one never knows. You never know. Never, ever know. Um, I had some of my listeners write in some questions that they might have for you. So I have a couple of interesting ones here for you that I'd love to hear sure. your answers on. Um, this one is talking about a law that requires the government to come clean on any UFO information. It's been keeping a secret. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's disclosure. And so that's been uh, that's been in the news a lot lately because mm-hmm. the um, uh, they're supposed to release what they know. And, and it, it, it started with uh, some Navy pilots were at least put out some videos. Right. Well, the, you know, with right. permission, these were not mm-hmm. leaked, um, but they were they were put out like these are unidentified flying objects that are flying far beyond our capacity and capability. Um, if these things are hostile, they, I think the pilots, if you read between the lines, they're like, we're dead. Like this, yeah. not, yeah. we can have this fancy F-16, like what that thing does, forget it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, I think it's interesting. So the idea that we're alone in the universe to me is silly, right? Yeah. That would be like the most wasteful use of space ever. Um, I, I don't think we're, we're unique, but would intelligent life come here and why, Right. Like those are big questions. We do have the best pizza in the galaxy. There's no question. (laughs) We do. We absolutely do. It's, it's not even up for debate, like hands down. So I get that. I like pizza too, but, um, but TV kind of sucks. There's not a lot of good stuff on anymore. Yeah. Um, We got a lot of assholes down here too. You know, like we're not nice. (laughs) Yeah. We, we, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of reasons to avoid. Um, so, so yeah, it begs the question, like, where are they from? And, allow me to get even like further down the rabbit hole with you or when are they from? Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Because who would have a vested interest in us more than say us? Us? Yeah. And when people describe aliens, right? The common alien, the big bulbous head with the two eyes and the mouth and the nose and the long arms and the spindly fingers, that is really human. What makes you think that life on another planet would evolve like us? 
Right. Like, like that, that we are unique to earth, but like, what makes you think that on some other planet with different gravity and different, maybe they would be really low to the ground and like, look like slugs, but be wicked smart. Right. Like, you know, so, so I, it's so interesting that we, we attach such human uh, traits to these, these things. And I don't know if we do that to make ourselves feel safer or more comfortable, or if maybe they are, Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, that is a really good point. I never really thought of it that way, but you definitely just put some, uh, some thought into my head about that. That's really cool to think about. I, hmm. I didn't mean to. It was yeah. an accident. <laughs> you didn't mean I to really, be thought provoking. <laughs> I, I was hoping we would just tell some weird stories, but no, that was a good question. Um, so another question that we have here, and I love this one personally, uh, what are your thoughts on the West Virginia Mothman sightings? So the Mothman, for those who don't know, um, it, it's this uh, flying humanoid type creature that was seen in West Virginia. Oh, was, was it 70, 1970, 1967 or something like that? Yes. Long ago. And um, uh, it, it, he was seen by multiple people and then a bridge collapsed and yeah. it killed uh, during uh, a rush hour commute. It fell and, and a bunch of people died. And so it's natural for people to try to connect those two events and mm-hmm. say he's some harbinger of doom. They could be completely separate for all we know. It could have just been like this weird creature shows up um, and then this bridge collapsed Two entirely right, separate, separate things, but, but they're forever married because of uh, the Mothman prophecy movies and the books and people who have studied this. So um, I might just blow your mind again. <laughs> the Mothman is not unique right? Like that creature, that same description exists all over uh, the world, but especially all over the United States. In Maine, not too far from me here in New England, um, there's the Pomola of Mount Katahdin, which is the, the highest mountain in Maine. And the Pomola is a, is a flying winged creature. Uh-huh. Um, in the American Southwest, of course, there's the Thunderbird. It's called the Thunderbird because its wings are so big when it flaps it sounds like thunder and it's it's a man like creature with wings that can fly and it's that that uh that legend is so prominent that the u.s air force has a group of f-16s that fly at air shows called the thunderbirds Uh uh-huh and there's a big old thunderbird painted underneath those f-16s so you can say there's no such thing but the u.s government has painted that thing on multi-million dollar aircraft that they display all over the world uh, as their pride and joy of their very best pilots and their very best equipment. So, you know, it's interesting that this, this same creature has shown up throughout history, folklore, and legend for millennia. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, there were um, a couple of other things that they had linked the Mothman to, right? Like um, there was, uh, I think it was like the swine flu in Mexico or something like that. So they were saying like, maybe he pops up to warn against certain things and isn't like the person bringing it. Or or maybe he shows up and he's like, oh, wrong timeline again. I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> and then like the swine flu breaks out. So, you know, so and they're like, it was you, Mothman. We know it. And this is the world we live in right now. Like you're, you're, you're watching this same idea play out all the time. Um, uh, chaos is, is, is a, it's literally a rule of physics, right? It's called entropy that things go from an ordered state to a disordered state. And the most ordered state we ever had was the big bang. There used to just be this little ball and it was so simple, but then it exploded and it's been exploding ever since. And we're in that explosion. So you have, we've all dropped like, a wine glass, hopefully not full. That sucks because then you, you waste it. I know, I know. Poor Moment wine. of silence. <laughs> right. So you drop your wine glass and it shatters into a million pieces. You've never once in your life seen those pieces come back together and form a whole. That's just not how it works. It goes from the ordered state to the disordered state. Yeah. And the world is scary and chaotic. And when we find chaos, we want to feel like someone is in control. So we, we sometimes look for reasons where there are none when the reality is sometimes there's just random rocks hitting around and one of them hits us Mm -hmm. and kills us. And you think like, well, this is wrath of God or punishment or uh, the Mothman showed up and should have warned me. We live in a chaotic world. And so what's getting scary though, is that uh, disinformation 
and 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 crazy theories can spread just as fast as facts. Uh-huh. So people invent conspiracy theories to um, to explain something that either didn't go the way they wanted it to go, or they they or to, or to explain something that uh, you know. Um, so I went to Sandy Hook Elementary School as a kid, like in Connecticut, okay. you know, uh-huh. and so. Um, I've heard the conspiracies that that was just a black flag operation, which sounds, I get why someone might say that because you don't like to hear, think about little babies getting gunned down in a random yeah. act of violence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my parents lived just behind a house where they lost a kid and, right. and, and we know families affected and, and a guy I went to high school with is now the principal there and so on. So like, it's, there's too many connections. And yet I know people invent those stories because it makes, it help, allows them to sleep at night even though stories like this one in particular are so hurtful to people who lost children. And the reality is that could happen again tomorrow. It could tomorrow. It's just one random suicidal person. Well-armed could go in anywhere and kill children. That's, that's the, that's the world we live in right now. And so, um, so that's chaotic and scary. And when that doesn't sit right, some people will invent stories and sadly, some people believe them. Yeah, man. Um, I have one more uh, little legend story here that I'm curious what your thoughts on. And that is the legend of Boggy Creek. Boggy Creek. I don't know that one that well. Is that one in, uh, is that. Um, it's in Arkansas. Tennessee? Arkansas. Yeah. Is that the one with the, um, the half man, half goat. No, it's like a Bigfoot kind of guy that oh, right. that is like running away with chickens and dogs and stuff like that. Hasn't ever hurt people, but has, uh, you know, run off with dogs and stuff like that. But it's been spanning a couple hundred years. And so I, I did write down my own question also because I'm like, elephants live like 60, 70 years, right? Yeah. So in order for there to be a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or something like that, there has to be more than one of them and they have to be mating and reproducing right for it to continue over hundreds and hundreds of years right i agree and and not only that so bigfoot legends well, I, I love the, like so the boggy creek monster or whatever you know i love when you've got the same description it's a bigfoot right it's yeah, a tall yeah. upright hairy creature it's smelly it makes noises doesn't seem to hurt any people and and it's elusive we don't find dead ones or whatever but i agree right. with you like if and that's the funny thing about these Bigfoot, right? There's two camps. Well, sort of, forgive me for oversimplifying this. There's the, it's an upright primate mm-hmm. that we just haven't cataloged, found or whatever yet, or, or spotted a dead one. And it's like an interdimensional space alien being. <laughs> okay. Okay. Which weirdly enough, probably makes more sense because, because yeah. <laughs> like, how do we miss, you know, yeah, where are the bones? <laughs> where's the bones? Where's the dead body? Where's the... The hunter, you know, uh, a good buddy of mine that uh, from West Virginia, he's like, I can tell you there's never been a Bigfoot in West Virginia because we invented dynamite fishing and someone would have <laughs> shot that son of a bitch, right? Like, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, they would have. Um, but I, but what I like about this this creature is that sometimes it becomes like a cautionary tale, you know? So in Massachusetts, which is the state I live in, um, on the other side of the state from me, there's there's a, a ledge in North Adams, Massachusetts called Coca-Cola Ledge. It's called that because it's a big old cliff face and there's a stone, like a lot of rocks. And way back when the Coca-Cola company painted a logo, like a oh, billboard okay. on nature. It's long Gosh. gone. It's since been painted over with like local fraternity symbols and stuff like that. <laughs> but you can get to the top of this cliff easily. It's a gentle hill on either side. So you can, you can walk up very easily. But uh, it's it's up the, at the top. People have spotted the monster of Coca-Cola Ledge. Every description is it's a Bigfoot, right? Yeah. But they call yeah. it the monster of Coca-Cola Ledge. And it's one of those stories that parents are more than happy to tell their kids, because if it scares you to keep you away from that ledge, because if you fall over that ledge, I promise it's tall enough. You're going to die. There, oh, there won't yeah. be injuries. You're a goner. Um, and so uh, if as a parent, if you're like, oh, yeah, you don't want to go up there. There's a monster. Yeah. And if your kids, if it keeps your kid away, then parents are happy to, to sort of spread that tale. So Boggy Creek, I don't know that one as intimately as I know others, but, um, you know, the, the narrative tends to be the same. Yeah. Uh, across the board too, right? Like all over the United States, there's just like the Mothman. People see yeah. some type of Mothman here, there and everywhere. And it's the same with Bigfoot. What we so badly, as soon as we, when we have any experience in our lives, anything, 
we want so badly to fit it into a box, mm-hmm. right? We want to put people into boxes. You are this, you are gay, you are straight, you are man, you are woman, you are androgynous, you're whatever, you're in between, right. it, whatever. We want to put everything in a box so we can understand it because there's so much information coming at us more than at any other time in human history. Like we, we have little supercomputers in our hands and we've got all this data and our friends are like all over the world and we've got thousands of them thousands. Oh my God. I don't think I have three real friends. Right. Like, yeah. So you're just like, what the hell? Right. And and so we've got information coming at us from everywhere. It's so, so scary. And so you see this creature and you go, well, that must be a Mothman. Yeah. That must be, it's in the woods. It must be a Bigfoot. Like, we don't know. We don't know, but we try to make sense of it. And, and the, to me, the best part is when we share that experience, this profound thing. And especially if it's someone, you know, and you can be like, whoa, I don't know if I believe you, but you've been affected. You know, you've been like, I can see your whole body language is something big just happened to me, you know, and, and, and now what do I do with that? How do I live my life? Like what, you know, what does it mean uh, in in the much bigger picture? And that's what the paranormal does. You you get to ask the biggest questions humans have ever asked, right? Are we alone in the universe? Mm -hmm. Do we know every creature that walks the earth with us? Is there life after death? Those are the big ones. And we get to explore that through this amazing subject. So it's, it's interesting because you got to do a lot of pondering recently. You wrote an entire book, right? Uh, that was released in 2021. Uh, that, uh, that was a book about climbing Kilimanjaro. Right. But you had some time to ponder, I imagine, yeah. <laughs> during that time. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. So um, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in 2017. And um, ironically, this is my first like non-paranormal book. Mm-hmm. And yet it was like the most profoundly spiritual experience of my entire life. Yeah. Um, it started because, I mean, I've been interested in Kili for years and years. Like I, I've, I'm a hiker. I love mountains. I took Swahili in college, which is like a random weird story in itself. Um, and that's the language of Eastern Africa. And, and so um, back in 2015, uh, 2014, my brother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. And he was just a few years older than me. And uh, it's, it's funny because like he and I weren't that close until his diagnosis. And my sister totally went into denial, right? Like, we're going to fight this thing. We're going to win. Uh, you know, our, our three-year-old son isn't going to be without a father. But like everyone else knew better. Yeah. And uh, I remember Chris calling me and he's like, hey, you're into some weird stuff. Because obviously he knows about my day job. And he's like, I'm going through something really weird. And I said, yeah, no question, you know? And, and so we got close for like the last, next two years uh, as he went through this very lengthy process of dying, you know, actively dying um, mm-hmm. from stage four cancer. And by the end, uh, I, I was sitting with him in his, his bed and he was, um, there's an oxygen machine, there's a hospice nurse nearby. And, uh, and I walked into his bedroom and it was, it was weird because this was the, I knew what this trip was, right? This is the goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, Cause he's down to hours, days, you know, we don't know, but not much more than that. And when I walked in, the sunlight was coming through the windows. It was this December day, but a lot of sun and his skin was just glowing gold. And, and I know in my head, I was like, it's jaundice. Like, I know, like, I know his organs are failing and his skin is unnaturally yellow because he's, he's toxic. Like he's literally dying. Yeah. And yet he was so at peace. And we had one of the most profound conversations I've ever had in my life. Um, He said, you know, he's having these out-of-body experiences and he's seeing things. I'm like, what do you mean seeing things? He's like, I saw my grandma, you know, from childhood. And then he's like, I'm I'm 20 feet above my body looking down. And it it doesn't make any sense. The ceiling's only eight feet. I know. But, and I said, what do you think it means? And he said, the best I can figure is that there's something inside this busted machine that's getting ready to break out and stay out. And Chris was practically an atheist when I first met him. Mm-hmm. And I just went, wow, that is just so profound. And, um, and he died just a, just a few days later. And, and, and it was really, it was such a blow, right? And I know it sounds selfish, but you can't help but think about your own mortality when you lose someone too young, totally. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you just go, whoa, like, and I have a cool life and job, but like, there's still things I want to do. Yeah. And so uh, about six months after he died, a friend of mine from the Leukemia Lymphoma Society uh, said, hey, Jeff, we got a fundraiser coming up. And I'm like, Amy, I'm so busy, but I'll help if I can. I've done stuff before. And, and she's like, we're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. 
and it was like this needle scratch in the movies, you know, you know, like what now, you know? And uh, I just went, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in, you know, raise money for cancer, cross this big item off my bucket list, do it in memory of Chris, um, challenge myself in my forties, you know, I'm in my forties. Do I still have it to do something big like this? And, uh, it just sort of all came together and it takes six days to get to the top. It's 19,341 feet if you're keeping score. And I suggest you do keep score. Um, and, and by the time we were making that last push for the top, we start at midnight from Barafu base camp and, and the air is so thin, like you just can't breathe. You know, it's, it's um, it, the analogy I came up with is, you know, those little stirring straws you get at the diner to stir your coffee or your tea, yes. like just breathe through that. Oh boy. Right now go for a jog, just breathing through that. And pretty soon you got to slow down to get enough air in that little tiny straw and it's dark and it's cold and I can handle the cold. I'm a new England guy, but it is a new kind of cold. And, uh, at some point like three 30 in the morning, like 18,000 feet high. And I just have on a headlamp and I can just see like the feet in front of me and the rocks and tan dirt and, uh, I, I don't know about you, but for my whole adult life, I've had like a constant dialogue in my head, like just endless oh, yeah. chatter. Uh-huh. It just, at like three 30 in the morning, it, it went quiet. And, and I just went, Oh, <laughs> 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 this is, this is either really good or really bad. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, but you keep pushing, you know, and, and you pass plaques where people have died and you just go higher and higher. And then I saw way out on the horizon, just this like tiniest little glow, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, all right, the sun's coming. Let's just push higher. And like 5.00 AM, 5.30 AM, it's getting a little brighter. And then we see the, the rim of the volcano of, of Kili just up ahead. And then, you know, that, which is it's like another hour to the summit after that. And, and then like 6.30 in the morning, I turn around and the, the sun is now just above the clouds and, and the clouds are way, way, way below, you know, just the sea of clouds below you. And it's glowing this total golden color. Like it's the same gold I saw on Chris's skin. And I was, I was like, just blown back by this whole thing. And I felt Chris with me, like right there, I felt him standing with me and smiling. And, and it was just this, this sunrise, right. This boring thing that has happened every day for millions and millions of years since before humans could see it. And I, I just had this like sense of hope and acceptance and it's okay to be here. And it was right there that I knew like the summit's a done deal. It's another 500 vertical feet, another hour, another like half a mile or so, but whatever that's done. Like this is happening now. And um, it was just a matter of finishing it after that. But it was like, just this like overwhelming, profound spiritual thing that you're just like, the world, the universe is so much bigger than me. And, um, and, and I, it changed me, you know, it changed me the same way that first ghost encounter changed me in Paris. You know, it's just, yeah, you leave a different person, not radically different, but altered, improved. I would like to think. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I love that. Um, that you were able to kind of connect those dots that you saw um, his skin glowing and you, it made you feel a certain way. And then you're up and you're doing this thing essentially for him in his name to honor him. And you get kind of the same, uh, the thing that kind of connects the both of them together. That's really beautiful. That's very spiritual. It was, it was huge. And, and like, and, you know, let me correct you on one thing. Like it was for me too, you know, like it sounds so selfless to be like in his memory, that's part of it. No question. Yeah. Um, But also like, you know, you get in your forties and your life starts to feel a little like a rut, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, it's a rut of my own design, you know, but you've, you've, you've got the friends that you, you like, they don't, the, the annoying ones you get rid of years ago. Like, yeah. you know, in your twenties, remember you used to keep the annoying people around and now you're like, Oh God, why? Yeah, you know, yes, like, There's yeah. no time for that crap. Like, no, if you're, if we don't click, like let's, it's okay. You'll click with someone else. I'll click with someone else. Let's yeah. not do this, you know? And it's, but, and you know, you, you got your house that you're hopefully in your job that puts, you know, beer in the fridge and pizza on the table. And you're like, okay, but you got to shake it up sometimes. And and what I love about the mountain, right, is it's the ultimate metaphor. There's there's mountains that get in our way, like through no fault of our own. Like, you know, you lose a job or you, you, you know, a huge home repair or your, mm-hmm. your kid cracks his head open, you know, and you're like, <laughs> oh, did not think I would be climbing this mountain today. But yeah. here we go. 
And then there's the ones we choose to put in our path. Like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to literally climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm going to, you know, take a class and get better at something. Like that's the kind of stuff that really is interesting to me. And my hope is that as, as we get older, we have to remind ourselves to put those mountains in our way. That's amazing. Uh, can you tell people where they can go to find your book or also just to find out what you're doing? Because you have a, a lot of stuff coming up too. Is there a place that people can follow up and find you and figure out what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. My website is jeffbelanger.com, which nobody can spell. I get it. B-E-L-A-N-G-E-R and uh, Jeff with a J. Um, but you can also find me on social media at Exploring Legends. Um, I'm doing a, still got a few um, Zoom programs left, so people can attend those from anywhere. A lot of them are free, being sponsored by libraries or other venues that that hire me to to give my programs and talks. Um, but then, thankfully, back in the fall, I'll be in front of live audiences again, uh, sharing stories. And I I I don't mean to equate the two. This sounds cold and heartless. I can't help it, but this must be how crack fiends feel, right? Like <laughs> I miss live audiences, like. I got to go in front of one a couple of weeks ago at an event in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And yeah. it was my first live audience in over a year. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> would it be weird if I hugged all of you? Yeah. <laughs> Bring it in. Come on. Yeah. I miss you people so much. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, if you're ever in San Diego, that's where I am. So right. <laughs> let me know. The- I'd love to attend. You've got the, uh, I was in LA just uh, last week, the week before, but um, uh, you've got the Whaley house. Cool little haunt. Right yes. San yeah. Diego. Ah, damn it, Dana. I actually was like, oh, I should ask him about that. And then uh, just Yankee Jim Robinson haunting that place from the day it was built. The uh, Mr. Whaley thought that house was haunted when it, the day it was built. He, he, Interesting. He's like, he heard footsteps and he's like, cause it was built on the hanging grounds. He, he knew that he attended some of those hangings. And so, uh, that's that's a that's a pretty well-known haunt. And then right up the coast, of course, you got uh, in the LBC, you've got the Queen Mary. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, so a lot of a lot of great haunts around you in, in Old Town for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for bringing Halloween in July. Anytime. I, I, I it's my favorite holiday, right? Because it's death gets a holiday and, you know, my favorite subject gets the spotlight. So all the better that we can yeah. talk about it here in the summer. <laughs> If you're listening on Apple, you know how much I love those rate and reviews. Thank you for the five stars ahead of time. And then if you could say some kind words, that always helps us out. So thank you for those too ahead of time. I'm kind of pushing my audience to do that for me more. Thanks, guys. And don't forget, even if you are not nailing it this week, you're still going to get that participation trophy. 